Welcome to Common Ground Church, Rwandabosh, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in scripture and dependent on God's Spirit. Every now and again, we pause our series to hear from our pastors on what God is pressing on them in this current moment. Please continue listening for today's message. Thank you, brother. It's good to be here. Yeah, so this morning I said it felt like coming back home. We were planted out of this place. Um, it's really uh, a privilege to come and share God's words with you. And uh, I remember 19 years ago, a friend of mine gave me an appointment to meet with him at this venue, uh, at this place. It wasn't this venue. He was one of the elders, and uh, he never told me that it was a church. So he just gave me the appointment that we could meet here. We were going to discuss some things about business ideas, etc., that we wanted to do together. Then I came, the first appointment, I came very late. And I found, I saw one man was closing the gate. The old building never looked like a place of meeting. And the offices at the back really looked like just Maybe this is a company, etc. So he gave me a lift back to the train station, and he told me that, how about coming back next week, Sunday? But I never thought about it, why he told me on Sunday. So really, weeks gone past, and then I got a message from my friend to say, I'm sorry, will you come on this particular Sunday? I came that Sunday, but I came on time. So I used the other back door in the old building, but it was through that entrance. I got there through those doors. The moment I just stepped into the meeting, I had a sense I felt the Lord say, you finally arrived where I want you to be. Now, there is a reason why I'm telling you this, because I'd like to share with you about a vision for Christian maturity. Then I set on that side the worship Every single word, the Lord was kind of speaking to me. Every song that day. I am very sensitive when we are worshiping the Lord with songs. In fact, I wrote something down on the paper because sometimes God brings confirmations in the time of when we are singing. So I'm not distra- I don't get distracted. And I remember crying that morning, weeping, weeping. The lady, the couple that was sitting next to me, she, was, she went a few times to the bathroom to get tissues. By the way, I am originally from the DRC, and uh, my tribe is, I'm a Luba by tribe. Men, we were told, men don't cry on public. You have to cry privately and in secret. But I couldn't really just stand. That was a sign that really God got me, and I could feel it. Then I felt led to read Matthew chapter 6. You know, Jesus is speaking about us trusting God as a provider just to try and give us the context. You know, God is taking care of the beds, He will take care of you. Do not worry about what to wear, what to eat, etc. You know, then it gets to verse 33. It says that you have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Now, I was already a Christ follower, but that day, I felt the Lord was calling me 
to think about my own spiritual growth. I felt a sense of God calling me to be intentional, to be a little bit intentional about my work with him. I never waited for my friend. I woke, I, I came out of the meeting and walked to the train station. I was weeping. The next day I went to my employer and I said to my employer, I'd like to ask if I can be taking off on Sundays because I want to be going to prayer meeting. I want to go fellowship with other brothers and sisters. And my employer said, no, we've got a contract, we've got an agreement, you have to continue to work on Sundays. I said, I'm going to resign. If I'm not going to get that, I'll resign. Now, you guys need to understand, I believe you know Christ followers, if you are here, that the matter, if you are a Christ follower, it's the matter of conviction. You can quote all the Bible verses, but when your faith gets tested, that's when your maturity is tested. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other ways, the word vision relates to a dreaming. It's, it, it means a kind of a revelation, a vision from God. And where there is no vision, in other ways, people are out of control. You cannot wait for the church leaders to do things on your behalf. I felt that time a need, and at the end of the day, my employer agreed and said, okay, you can go to your church meetings and come back to work. I said, yes. <laughs> then I start to give myself to reading the word of God differently. Reading church history, trying to understand things. I was a single guy, I didn't have the big family that you saw there. But from that day, I never waited to say until the day that I'll get married, then I can start to think about marriage. I never wait and say until when I'll have kids, that's when I'm going to think about parenting. I started to think and ask important questions for my own maturity. There are things that we can do together as we come like this, but there are things that you have to do on your own. I cannot read the Bible for you. You have to read God's word on your own. Yes, we can worship together, but you have to learn to worship on your own. Why is this important? A vision for your own maturity. It is important because after tonight, we are going to be scattered different places. I believe a number of you, you are students, you are going back to UCT. Some of you are working. Some of you, you've just started your family. There are challenges every single day that we are faced with. You need a vision for your only walk with Christ. But that is not all. You must have a conviction for what you believe. Conviction is very important. Why is conviction important? Because I told you my story. I went to my employer and I said, if you are not going to give me this, 
because what I've discovered there is so much better than what you can pay me. That is conviction. I said I want to make sure that I can go gather with my brothers and sisters and conviction is a principle that guides our actions. And without a vision, without get, getting to study God's word for ourselves so that we can start to gain the kingdom perspective and that kingdom perspective is going to start to give us God's view on different matters, without that there is no way that you can grow in your conviction as a Christ follower. Friend, there are so many topics. You need to have conviction when it comes to issues of gender. You need to have conviction when it comes to uh, the topic of marriage. And it is only mature Christians who can ask the difficult questions to themselves around different topics. Now let me give us the example of conviction. If you read the Bible in Daniel chapter three, verse 16 to 17, there is a story of these three young men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They found themselves under the most difficult leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. Just to paraphrase, the king wanted all the people from all nations to worship his gods. And the people who would refuse to worship, there was a serious consequence that they were going to face. A blazing furnace. When these three guys were taken before the king, and the king actually started to exchange with them, they knew the consequences that they were going to face. But they said this to the king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other ways, we understand that we've done something wrong. There is no need for us to explain, to, 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 to actually explain ourselves. Do what you wish. And this is what they said. If you are to throw us, I'm just paraphrasing, in a blazing furnace, we know that the God we serve is going to save us from that. But even if he does not save us from that, but we are not going to worship your God. That is the example of conviction. Some of you are sitting here, you are going to be medical doctors, maybe that's what you are studying. Some of you are going to sit in parliament, you are going to be in key positions on our continent, if you're not in this country, and you are to be the sorts and the lights of the world in those positions, you are going to be faced with challenges, but it's going to require some level of maturity and conviction in order for you to stay and remain true to what you believe as a, as a Christ follower. Let me tell you, as I said, when you see that, that photo, you said, wow, look at that. Some of you are not here there, but you get there. Marriage is not for little kids. <laughs> Some of you are not yet in position where you'll be forced to make big decisions, where there is a tender that you have to get for your company, but it's with conditions attached to them. That time is coming, and it's already here. If you are not going to be ticking these boxes, we are not going to give you this contract. 
that is going to require a high level of maturity and conviction to choose between what you believe and what you want. In fact, the question about sexuality, where do you stand? It's an issue of conviction. Conviction is not opinion. Opinion is something you argue about. You are actually a student, you do know better than I do. Most of you, I mean. Is that true, eh? this community? 30% I can say, 40 students at UCT, this room. Conviction is something you die for. What we need today, as much as ever, are men and women of godly biblical convictions in our generation. People like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abdenego, they were men of conviction. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. That is not an opinion. That is a conviction. History tells us that the people who have had the greatest impact on our world for good or evil were not the smartest sitting in this room. Or when you read history. Not those who had most knowledge, not at all. Not those who are coming from rich families, not at all. Not the most talented, not at all, but those who have had the deepest conviction for right or wrong. And of course, it is Jesus who has made the most impact, and it is Jesus who had the deepest conviction of all. When you think about it, he accepted, he was prepared to die for you and for me. Because conviction is something you die for. It is not an opinion. Mature Christians can be measured by the level of their conviction because it is your conviction that leads you to live by faith. You cannot just say, I live by faith. Now we can be something here, but are we the same thing when we go out of this place? That's a question. In conviction, we want the heart of God. By the way, I'm still under my introduction. Is that right? Be patient with me. Because <laughs> I know that you might be, you are used to the style of maybe my brother here and Ron and Jose. <laughs> let's go to this book and let's stand there. Now, I'm still under con introduction. We'll get to what you, today's passage. Because you might be wondering, does he really have a book, a passage, where, what, what are we going to be looking at today? It is important for us to get this. In conviction, we want the heart of God. 
We don't want only to see what God sees, but also to feel what God feels. About the world, about the lost, about his words, and about his church. Christians are called to be people of conviction and not people of opinion. Now, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 6. We are going to read our six verses. And um, let's read. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the, meek, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bow towards you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience with, uh, when your obedience is complete. This is the word of God. There are two things that I would love to pull out of these verses. And the first one is destroying strongholds. When I was standing at the back before worship, my brother was reading before he started worshiping, there was a word that was coming to mind, the word shame. And I was wondering why, just felt a sense, the word shame, shame. Then as I came to the front, there is a particular song, it's my first time, by the way, to hear that song. And I wrote something, I hope I got it correct, it says, no shame is stronger than your blood. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about strongholds on this point number one. The moment I saw that in the song, you know that shame can be a stronghold. And maybe God wants to set someone free tonight from that. In verse three and four, Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, we don't fight with politics. We don't fight with money. We don't fight with all the humanistic ways. This is a warfare. This is a spiritual battle. Now, just for a sake of context, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. If you read chapter one to chapter nine, Paul has got a total different language. He's encouraging these believers, Christ followers, to contribute money for other churches in Jerusalem. He was making a collection for other churches that, the churches that were struggling financially. Then in chapter 10 to chapter 13, Paul changes the language. It feels like he's not addressing to the whole congregation, but he's speaking to a particular group of people who are bringing some different kind of thinking into the church. 
And this is the, it's, it's the same group of people who were accusing Paul and his team for walking according to the flesh. And was accusing Paul that he was not fit to be an apostle. Now, Paul looked at that accusation and all that they were saying, he did not saw it just as an attack to him, but Paul saw it as an attack to the church, to the gospel itself. And he said that we are not fighting, we don't fight against, according to the flesh, which means what is happening here, it is spiritual. I don't know how many of you in the last week or month have ever thought that the battle we are in, it is a spiritual battle. Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We don't we destroy argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The Apostle Paul says, is saying here that our job, your job, and my job in this battle is to destroy strongholds. Paul is talking about arguments set up against the knowledge of God. This is a mental battle. And he says, destroy these strongholds. A stronghold can be one of two things. It can be a worldview, such as materialism, secularism, relativism, communism, atheism, and all the isms. <laughs> You'd know a lot of isms, all ideas that is working against the knowledge of God is a stronghold. Any other thinking besides the word of God is a, is a stronghold because it is working against the knowledge of God. A stronghold can also be a personal attitude. Now, it gets me to the point of shame. Shame can be a stronghold. You are sitting here and you've been blaming yourself for something that had happened in the past, but yet you consider yourself as a child of God. You have been set free from it, but yet you are not disconnected from it. Seeking the approval of other people can be a stronghold. You want to be loved by people. You are not feeling secure in who you are. You have to stand and say, I am loved by God, no matter what. He loves me so much. He cares for me. I am the son of God. I am a daughter of God. Worry can be a stronghold. Anything that you make an idol in your life can be a stronghold. Anything. By the way, it can be things that are good. But if you attach yourself too much to them, 
And that's where you found your comfort. That's where you found your happiness. That's where your peace come from. The question, that's why now you see why I started by saying, you know, as you are walking, you establish a vision for your own maturity, but your conviction has to begin from God's word because without conviction, you can make any other things to become strongholds in your life because that's where you are putting your trust. And the question is, if those things are taken away from you, will you still remain strong in what you believe in as a child of God? Some of you, it could be your parents. If you're a parent, it could be your children. It can be work. It can be career. Also fear, guilt, Insecurity, all these things can be stronghold in our lives. All of these things can be strongholds in your mind. The Bible says that we are to tear them down. And the second point here is that taking every thought captive it is not enough to destroy, but you have to take every thought captive. Look at the very last phrase in verse five, take every thought captive to obey Christ. In verse two, verse one and two, you see Paul is talking about gentleness and meekness, but he's writing to this church, there is a particular group of people who are actually opposing themselves to the truth of the gospel, but there is presenting the characteristics of Christ, meekness and gentleness, but in verse six, it talks about any disobedient that won't remain unpunished. This is Paul who is demonstrating the level of maturity, is carrying two faces. Our Lord Jesus is not on the lamb, but he is the lion and the lamb, but Christ followers, we are becoming more of the lamb than the lion side of our Lord Jesus. even with our own thinking. Very, it's nothing, it's nothing wrong to be gracious. But when you start to tolerate what you should not tolerate, there is a sign that there is some lacking of maturity there. And there is a sign that there is lack of conviction. When things are going well, it's difficult to measure your maturity. When things are going well, it's even difficult to measure the level of our conviction in what we believe. It is easy to quote all the good verses when things are good. It is in difficult times. That's a reason why I said to you, I never waited to be married to understand God's view on marriage. I never waited. You know, I needed to understand what sexual purity means as a Christ follower when I was single. I needed to know everything. What is God's perspective on sin? 
What does God say about this? And uh, the more I gave myself to that and saying, God, please help me, establishing a vision for my own growth, my own spiritual growth, it helped me. Because when the time came, I had already learned how to love my spouse. How God sees marriage, how God sees her, and how God sees me. And there was a time in my life, by God's grace, I found myself in a higher position where I was managing quite a lot of people. I knew my view of work and how I saw those people, even if they were under my leadership. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. The Greek meaning is to conquer, to bring into submission, to control those bad thoughts. But how do you do that? Because most of the time when you say to yourself, I'm not going to do it, you continue to do it. No, this time I'm not going to do it, but you do it again. The battle is here. The battle for sin always starts in the mind. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter seven. He says, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Do you relate? <laughs> Friends, we need to realize that our minds are broken. And the question is, how do we fix our minds? Our minds are broken by sin. We need to be intentional about our own spiritual maturity, our only growth. Our minds are broken by sin, which means we cannot trust even what we think ourselves. Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We have an amazing ability, friends, to lie to ourselves. You do it all the time, so do I. We lie to ourselves many times. We are saying here, but that's not what we are thinking there. Tonight, maybe the Lord is wanting to set you free, to destroy those strongholds in your life. And God is wanting to take all those thoughts into captive. He wants to set you free completely from those things. There is no way that you, a, a, a military base can be attacked. You destroy all the equipment, then you start to scream victory, victory, when you haven't actually captured any of them. That's not victory. You have to take to, into captive the actual people, the military, The soldiers. Now I want to give us two ways to guide our minds. Two ways to guide our minds. Why is this important? It is important because in a sense, 
it is going to be a good start as you start to think about your personal maturity. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, and please forgive me to put their sisters as well, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, for those of you who are single, the singles, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How do you know when you have the peace that surpasses all understanding? This is a question of maturity as a Christ follower. How do you know? Here's the answer. When you give up trying to understand fully why God does what he does and simply trust him. You just simply trust God. This peace will guide your hearts and your mind. The first way you guide your heart and mind is in everything by prayer. Everything by prayer. And secondly, Paul says to think about whatever is true. Now you have to get all other ideas, all other thinking, all other books that are written, whatever I say there, whatever you are reading now, you have to ask yourself a question, is this true? Compared to the word of God. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, not to you, not to me, but whatever is honorable to God. Whatever is just, when you are faced with a lot of challenges, how do you look at the issue of poverty? the issue of race, and all these things, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, we are to think about these things. Notice that he says to pray about everything. And if we were to pray as much as we worry, we would have a lot less to worry about. Isn't that not so? I am not saying that uh, I'm wishing you that, but I'm just saying that if you think you have some worries now, those worries will increase. But you have also to think about, we are asked to pray. If we were to pray, really, as much as we worry, we would have a lot less to worry about. Don't worry about anything but pray about everything. This is what it says. Don't worry about anything but pray about everything. Even this passage that I caught in Matthew 6, Jesus himself is saying that. Yeah. This is an issue of conviction. 
It is the issue of trust in God. How much are you trusting God? Guys, I was expecting an amen. Huh? I love one of the pastors from the state, Ricky Warren, you know, he, he took Ephesians 4 and he gave the word think. And he actually explained it each word by word, pulling passages from the Bible. And he looked at T. He says, it stands for test every thought. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there, there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Can I ask you tonight not to believe everything you think? Test every thought. Things that get presented to you. Things that they put on television, on media, the, the things you read, the books that you are exploring, reading. Can I ask you to test every thought? Because it is those very thoughts that try to go against the knowledge of God. Please test them. Ask God to search and test your thoughts as well. H stands for hermit, your head. Put on the hermit of salvation. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 17, take the hermit of salvation. Salvation for those who are Christ followers. We are protected by God himself. This is not a call for us to try hard this is a call for us to be intentional and to grow our conviction, not outside of Jesus, but in Christ himself. With him we can, and without him we can't. If you're a medical student, there'll be a time when you stand alongside a pregnant woman the moment she gave birth, you are given a pen to sign. And you want to say it's a baby boy. They told you no. Just said no sex. What will you do? Will you stand for what you believe? Will you say no, it is a boy? With God you can. Because those who have received Christ, they are under God's protection. I stand for imagine great thoughts. Think about all the great promises of God. There are so many promises here. Start to think about all the good things. Those promises are for you if you're a Christ follower. They're for me. You are to think about them. You are to claim them. And stand for Nourish a godly mind. Psalm 119.15 says, I will meditate on your precepts. Fix my eyes on your ways. In other ways, there is a possibility that we have the ability in us 
to fix our eyes not on God's ways because of the, a lot of distractions around us. May I ask you to meditate on the precepts of the Lord and to fix your eyes on the ways of God. Meditate on his ways and fix your eyes on his ways. Study and reflect on the gospel, on the word of God. Reflect on what Christ has done for you. Reflect on who God is. That will help you a lot. What is the last word again? What's that last word? Oh, I've spoken about high. What is the one? Did I spoken about N? Yes. Then what is the last one? How do you call that in English? Because I don't know. It's K, huh? Okay. I was just wanting to get your attention back here. <laughs> I know it's K. Yeah. K stands for keep on learning. Disciples of Christ, they don't cease learning. I, as, I'm, as I'm speaking to you, you know these things, I am still a learner. My conviction is in God's word. I speak with boldness based on what I've gone through and I've seen how I've been tested and I've learned to think about whatever is good through the help of God. But we continue to learn. The Bible says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. First Timothy 4.15. Here's the question I want to leave with you. Do others see progress in your life? Do your friends see progress in your life? The gospel brings transformation in our lives. You don't get saved and stay the same. There should be a progress. Are your words and conversation more powerful, more meaty, more deeper, stronger, more practical, more life-touching? Or are you the same person you were two years ago? Are you growing? We are to bear fruits. We are called to that. That's also a sign of maturity. You are to desire to mature. You need a vision for your own personal growth. Can I invite us to stand, please? I want to remind you again. There are so many things that can be strongholds. Some of you in this room, it is lack of forgiveness. You, don't, you haven't forgiven. It could be your colleague, your parents, relatives, you've carried this for many years, that can be a stronghold. But yet you come here, you lift up your hands, just make the Lord is wanting to destroy that in your life. There is a particular thing that maybe you did, not because you wanted to do, 
But it just happened that you did it. And you look back, you are regretting so much to the point that you feel that that thing hasn't yet left you. And I just want to pray for you. Just want to pray that God will set you free from that. No shame is stronger than the blood of Jesus. Eh? There is nothing that our God cannot do. And tonight, maybe this was for you. Maybe it's one person or two people only. God just wants you to gain some kingdom perspective tonight around things that you've, you've taken for granted. God's perspective on sin. Maybe strongholds that you've heard me, I've just mentioned them quicker. Maybe those things. And if that's you, maybe today it is a night that God is wanting you to make a, you know, a step of strong conviction. You are not going to feel shy, and this is not in any way to try to manipulate anyone. Saying, God, I need you, I want your help. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, if you like you're needing prayer, please come forward. The band is playing on the background and I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord is wanting to set you, to set some people free tonight and he just wants to free you so that you can walk free and uh, without having to feel any pressure. But I just ask you to come please forward, forward and and God is going to do it. He's our loving Father. I'm going to ask Kaf if you can please join, and if there are other leaders, we can start praying for, for the people. Let's do that. You know, there is freedom in the Lord Jesus, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, maybe you're not yet a Christ follower. You are here tonight, and maybe this is your night. God wants to, to set you free. Set you free from fear. Set you free from a sense of guilt. I want you to know that God loves you so much. And in my own way, when I think about Jesus carrying the cross, going to the cross, every drop of blood to me, when I think about my own salvation, which is the greatest testimony and the greatest miracle, I think that drop to my view, it's like I was saying, Andre, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm doing this for you. And maybe Jesus wants you to hear that tonight. He loves you so much.